Hey ladies, welcome back to The Woman Podcast. My name is Katie Bizet and I'm your host. And today we are starting a little three-part series, I guess you could call it, um, on mental health. And we're really excited about it because, you know, I believe that God's created us mind, body, and spirit and that we would thrive and be healthy. And so much of that has to do with our mental health. Um, And so we have invited three professionals in over the course of the next three weeks, and they're going to just teach us what they know about keeping our body healthy, keeping our mind healthy, and spiritually being healthy. And so um, I think it's going to be so, so good, and I encourage you to Obviously, you're listening today, but um, make sure you listen to the next two because they're going to be so good. Um, So today we are interviewing Deetra Clark. Um, Many of you may recognize that name. Deetra and her husband Brian were a part of New Life Church for a long, long time and rooted in Arkansas and in the Conway community here. She is um, a wife, a mom, a speaker, a coach, um, and honestly, she just spends so much of her life pouring into other people. Um, A lot of people around here know her because she was a uh, Christian licensed clinical therapist for over a decade and, um, you know, spent so much time just counseling the people of this community, guiding them, teaching them, um, pointing them back to God. And she just has so much wisdom and experience and, um, she's trained in this. And so I thought who better to interview than Deetra. She um, can certainly teach us a lot. We can ask the questions that we don't always know if we can ask. And so I'm really excited to talk with her. She and her husband and their kids recently moved um, in 2019 to Minnesota. Um, So she's not a licensed therapist anymore. She's not practicing, um, but she still has so much wisdom to share. And so we did a phone call. So what we're going to do is jump to the phone call and yeah, let's get started. Hey, Deetra, it's so good to have you on the phone today. Why don't you say hi to everyone? Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, You know, I set everyone up a little bit in the interview. I tried to kind of tell them who you are and um, just what you do with your life. But um, I would love if you could just introduce yourself a little bit, tell the people about what you do and your family and um, even like what led you into mental health a long, long time ago. Yeah. So, um, I practiced traditional therapy, um, when I was first out of college for just a few years and then the Lord really opened some doors that allowed me to step into bringing my faith Mm -hmm. into working with people. And so I was able to practice Christian based therapy, um, for feels like a long time, but it was a total of about 14 years that I did therapy. Wow. And um, have worked with lots of different populations, children and teenagers. And then my daughter started to get older and, you know, we kind of had some conflicts of interest. I moved to women and couples, which is where um, I spent most of my time. But really, really love working with other people. And I really got into therapy um, and knowing that that's what I wanted to do when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really struggled in college. 
I really struggle with who am I? What do I want to do? What's my purpose? And I really started taking those classes because I wanted to find answers for myself. (laughs) You know, I thought, oh, psychology. Wow, this is great. I can figure out kind of what's going on with me. And then as I really started to figure out some of those answers to really things that people had never asked me about, discussions that had never been had with me personally, I just really felt this pull that this was where the Lord was calling me. Wow. And um, so it was just kind of a natural fit. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a mama of, of four kiddos and um, a wife to Brian. And um, so when I stopped practicing two years ago, it's because we moved to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I call it Antarctica. But I joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> it gets so cold here. But. Um, yeah, when the Lord called me out of, of practicing um, in the ways that I were was, He really opened up an opportunity for me to do more of the inner healing work that I would do with people sometimes in therapy, but more on the side um, and just coaching them in a way that allowed me to focus on my family while still pouring into other people as my schedule allowed. And so um, that's kind of what I'm doing now is homeschooling my kids and then loving on people early in the morning if they are able to get up and hang with me as my schedule allows. And it just allows the best of both worlds. Wow. That's so cool. So Michelle was actually, I don't know why, I guess she has family in Minnesota and she texted me this morning and showed me a screenshot of y'all's weather. Is it hot up there right now? Oh my goodness. It's, so hot and I can't even believe I'm saying that because one of the things that I've kind of prided myself on coming from the south is oh I can deal with warm weather I mean like you guys you're such babies but I have found myself lately like this is this is not I think it's maybe hotter than Arkansas we're having 100 101 degree days which is really not the normal for us we summers are super short here in the midwest where we have longer summers in the south so it's really crazy but i'm i'm not complaining um because we just came out of a very long winter from like october and through through like the end of april oh my god i'm not complaining wow and then just flip a switch and you're at 100 degrees literally so funny yeah it's been like (laughs) rainy and in the 70s and 80s and so when Michelle sent me the weather she was like my family is like mind blown that it's in the hundreds I'm like wow this is Arkansas weather but it's in Minnesota totally and they are just not equipped here like you can just see people struggling like they don't even know what to think that's how my body reacts to the winter here right exactly um okay so Real quick before we kind of dive into the questions, yeah. um, I just wanted to do some fun little rapid fire questions to get to know you. So um, what is the favorite, your favorite place you've ever visited? Hmm. I think my favorite place I've ever visited, which is so funny now that I'm really close to this, but when, when Brian and I got married, our honeymoon was in Niagara Falls in Canada, which is like, yeah, thousands of miles away from Arkansas. It felt like being on another planet, but it was just so beautiful. And it's one of the seven wonders of the world. Wow. And so um, I've always said, oh, gosh, I want to go back there when, you know, we have kids. I'd love to take our family. And now we're literally like four hours away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, we, and we haven't been. Well, do you need to go? 
especially with the 100 degree weather go there and cool off okay so on a typical night what is a favorite meal to cook in your household yeah so i'm such a creature of habit and i'm really very plain we have the same eight or nine meals in rotation and have for (laughs) like our entire marriage but i really love um just the taco night Mm -hmm. so i'll either do like um, just lots of veggie options because not all my kids like meat right. and then I'll do a chicken option and then we'll do like um, like a turkey um, for the, the ground beef option yes. for taco night. It's my favorite. It's simple. It's quick. Everybody likes it. There's something for everybody. It makes the house smell good totally and it agree. takes me like 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Anything Mexican is my go-to as well. And Hunter's always like, Mexican again? I'm like, yep. <laughs> it's weekly, yeah, baby. Yeah. It's weekly. Um, okay. Are you guys, are you a dog or a cat person or neither? If we had a pet, if yeah. we would be dog people. Dog people. If we had a pet, mm-hmm, we would be dog people. We're not there yet. We, every time we think we're going to get a pet, we have another child. Oh. And so... Uh, <laughs> Now that Phoenix is very independent, of course, at four years old, we're starting to have that conversation because I wanted, you know, our kids to be able to help us because right. it's such a big commitment. It so really is. we're going to be dog people. Dog people. I'm, I'm speaking it in advance. Yes. Okay. Okay. Are you salty or sweet in your food preferences? Mm, I'm sweet. You are? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm salty. Totally. I'm looking for totally. somebody that's... I feel like more people are sweet than salty, you know? But, you know, I can get with that. I am a little salt with my sweet. Mm. So, like, if I go to the movie theater, you know, like, a little bit of whatever candy with a little bit of popcorn, like, it's the perfect mix. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. Okay. And then last question. Where are you originally from? I am originally from Moralton, Arkansas. So, just... Like five minutes up the road, 10, 15 minutes yeah, from Conway. It really yeah. is. So you, yeah. where did you go to college? Jonesboro, Arkansas State University. Okay. All right. I was wondering. Well, cool. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to dive in now. You know, one of the things that um, we talked about is we're kind of, this is the beginning of a little three-part mini-series on um, mental health and we're inviting you in to help us with this conversation. We've invited two others in and sort of the emphasis being mind, body and spirit. And so, um, you know, I, I love that you're here today with us because this is your profession. You know, you have so much practice and years of wisdom, helping people find health and healing, um, in mental health. And so, um, I guess I would ask you this. I mean, this isn't even a question I planned on Deidre, but I just wanted to ask you, like, what is your working definition of mental health? Do you have like something that you go off of? Yeah. So, and it's such a like catch all term now, right? Where we just kind of lump it all together. Um, But I define mental health as our emotional, psychological and social well-being. However, I also think that our spiritual and our physical are interdependent with that. Definitely. Because we're, it's, it's all one and right. it's not separate. Um, and so I feel like sometimes when we think about mental health, we only think about the emotional piece 
but we're missing the other pieces that make that picture complete. Yes. That's exactly, I mean, that sums it up. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like that's what our goal is in the next three episodes is just kind of piecing together those three components because, you know, you can be so physically healthy and ticking all the boxes of, you know, physical health, but yet not emotionally healthy, or you could be completely void spiritually, but have the other two down. And I agree with you. I think it's so three, you know, all encompassing integrative. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I hate to be the person that like keeps bringing up 2020, but you know, (laughs) our world like went through a traumatic thing. And so, you know, I would say over the last even 18 months, there's just been so much tension in people's lives and women especially have um, carried this in a unique way with everyone being at home. A lot of us took on roles, homeschooling, you did that. Was that related to COVID or just related to moving? No, it was just, it was always something that was on my heart to do and in moving here just allowed the opportunity for us to step into that and really bring out some dreams that had been in my heart. Okay. So it wasn't COVID related, but so many families, you know, their kids came home, they were doing homeschool or virtual school, juggling work differently, working at home while kids are at home, new routines, um, even dealing with just the isolation of you know, you're not around your normal people. You may not be able to see your parents. And so I really, what I have seen in some of the women in my life and just the people that we pastor is that, um, you know, we're kind of all moving out of this COVID season, but yet so many of us are kind of still stuck in the mental fog of it. Like it brought on a lot of, um, I don't know, just hardship mentally. And so I was just going to ask you, like, what have you seen? Do you have encouragement for the women who have taken on so much in the last 18 months? Yeah, I think transitions are hard. Yeah. Um, I think they're hard anyway under any circumstance, but I think it was compounded in 2020 just because the transitions came in so many different forms and there was no preparation for it. So it's like it was, and then it wasn't. And, um, I think for people that one that are not used to things like that or who don't shift well, and there are so many, there were just so many things that were out of our control that we didn't get to have a voice in. Um, I think that that can feel overwhelming and I think it allowed for a lot of fear to set in. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of hopelessness and defeat um, that set in just because of the loss and the change. And so what, what I have been sharing with women and families that I've been doing coaching with over the last year or so is just um, the shift in how we view it Mm -hmm. because we don't, we don't always get to control how it comes. Yeah. And so when it comes and it's out of our control, whatever that it is, um, the question is, are you willing and open to adjust? What is the Lord asking of you in that? Where is he in that? And what is he inviting you in? And it's not that it necessarily makes it better right then. It's not that it necessarily changes the situation or the circumstance but the reframing around it does shift your mind Mm -hmm. and when you can shift your mind 
it really can lighten the load and it can take um, the blinders off so that you can see the it or whatever it is in a new light. Mm -hmm. When we're open to transition, when we're open to change, the Lord can show us a new new avenue or a new way that we hadn't probably even planned. Um, And I know that personally, you know, from moving here. Mm -hmm. And I remember... I mean, our life was pretty set in Arkansas. We just kind of did what we did. Yeah. We went to church where we went to church. We went to school where we went to school. Yeah. I had my therapy practice. And when the Lord called us here, I really had in my mind how this was going to go. And it just didn't. <laughs> it, it, just, it, 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 it just didn't. Yeah. And um, I remember spending lots of days going, but Lord, I was obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord, I, I did what you asked me to do this does not feel easy. And I remember him, you know, ministering to me and talking to me one day about how my life is a stewardship and that it's not a possession. And um, just the visual of me opening my hand Mm -hmm. and surrendering it to him. And when I could do that, because I was holding everything so tight, really thinking that I was living in a, a surrendered life, but I wasn't, which is why the transitions and the shifts and the things that I thought I could control that I couldn't, which is why it felt so hard for me. Mm-hmm. And when I had this visual of opening my hands and really surrendering it and laying it all down, then I was able to receive what he was trying to do in the transition. But I couldn't as long as I was in the way. And I really just needed that revelation from him to be able to see that it was my mindset and my expectation and my disappointment in the hard days um, that were really making it feel some days unbearable. Like it's just easier back in Conway, yeah. <laughs> you know, and really. it was just, it was just in my perspective uh-huh. that he brought when I invited him in. That's so good. Something you said about control really stuck out to me. Just even the idea that, um, the more we grasp onto things and try to control, the more we're going to be disappointed when it doesn't pan out exactly like we want it to. And then that, you know, that disappointment turns into frustration and anger and questioning and all the things. It's hurtful and it's hard. And then I think for a lot of people, there was a big question of Lord, where are you? Mm -hmm. Like, where are you in this? Because this is not what I planned. And this is not how I want it to be. But I mean, Proverbs says that we make our plans, Mm -hmm. but it's the Lord that directs our steps. He wasn't asleep on any of that and he wasn't shocked. And it's his higher ways um, that bring us up to a place where we can, where we can see above it all. And it's not that we don't still feel the pain and it's not that we don't recognize that the situation around us is difficult and it's hard. But when we can come up to the way that he sees it, it gives us a different perspective to be able to navigate through it with his eyes and with his strength mm-hmm. and in his glory mm-hmm. and not relying on ourselves. That's so good. So for you, like when you notice something in yourself, like are you sitting down to like, do you journal this out? Do you just sit down and have alone time and pray to God? Like, practically speaking, how do you, like, kind of sort these things out with God? Yeah, yeah. So what I have learned about myself, in some days, 
it goes well. And some days I have to adjust and be flexible. But what I do know about myself, especially since I've moved here, Mm -hmm. um, is that I have to be intentional every day to talk to him. So sometimes that looks like it's on my run. Sometimes it looks like it's in the car with my kids when we're running errands. And I literally say, mommy's having time with the Lord. Can you guys just be quiet for 10 minutes? Sometimes I get that like in my closet a long time where everybody's sleeping in and I'm wondering if everybody's okay and nobody bothers me. (laughs) Sometimes it looks like that. But what I do know about myself is it is something that I have to prioritize Mm -hmm. no matter how I get it in. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, I can get in my own head. And when I get in my own head, then it's a whole lot more work to pull myself out of it. Oh, yeah. And so it's a reset for me. It is a positioning and a posture for me that I have to do every day. Mm -hmm. I am a big journaler. I keep actually a journal in my purse. Um, I've just learned to do that. And I also have notes in my phone. It just helps me to see it out loud. But also it helps me when I jot it it down and then I can go back and see what I was thinking or where he answered it. Or sometimes for me, I can see that what I was thinking is not really healthy mm-hmm. and I need to get rid of it mm-hmm. but I, I have to have a way to get it out for sure it's yeah. better out than in it's better out than in yeah that's so good better out than in I totally agree with you on that I'm a journaler I used to be you know way better at it when I didn't have kids and I was single but now I still find you know ways to journal like you said whether you're writing it or typing it or whatever and I agree I'm like that's just almost how I process it out. And you do look yeah. back and read it sometime and go, I was crazy that day. But yeah. And even when you're journaling, you know, like sometimes when you're journaling, do you ever find that you write something that it's like, probably need to, that's probably not where I need to be. But almost every time it comes out, yeah, I find immediately, even if I can't find the address for the scripture or the truth, like, I find that the Lord will give me, even if it's just a word in the scripture mm-hmm. or even if it's just a book, like an immediate replacement because it's coming out, right? Yeah, I totally agree. It's like as you're writing it, God almost addresses that very thought, that very whatever that you need. Yeah. I love that. That's very practical. Um, Okay, so I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about therapy. You know, sometimes I think we don't know when we need it and then we don't know when we don't need it and so I really just wanted to ask you like practically speaking like how do you assess when it's time to see a therapist do you do you have like a litmus test of of how you're doing personally and then maybe when it needs to you need to see a professional um yeah yeah that's yeah so when I was practicing therapy and even now when I'm doing interviewing and coaching with people always like to talk to them personally Mm -hmm. um, because you can assess when it's acute and what I mean by that is it's like kind of a short term like I've just kind of had a bad week or it's just been a couple bad moments maybe me and my husband have been into it the last five nights and that's like stressing me out and so I don't feel like myself and when it's more chronic you know and by chronic it just means a little bit longer than your short moments and everybody gets to decide what that is for them 
but kind of my litmus test or what I feel like I can assess on what people should be kind of noticing within themselves first is toxic thinking. Okay. And I, I don't just mean like, a, oh, this day is terrible, but I mean like you, the voice in your head, the dialogue within yourself is negative, negative, negative. You literally are having trouble seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And that's crucial. So in, in therapy, we call it the cognitive triad, which mm-hmm. means the way you think affects what you feel and what you feel affects what you do. Mm-hmm. Proverbs says, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Yeah. And so our thought life is crucial because the enemy knows, and the Lord says this too, the, the direction of our most dominant thought is usually like that's the direction our life comes in. Yeah. We have like between, I think it's like 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. Of those, if 80% of those are negative and repetitive, that is a big indicator that it's time to bring somebody else in. And this is not like a, you know, something's wrong with me. This is, I recognize that I need support. I need somebody to partner with me shoulder to shoulder to help me retrain my thoughts, to speak truth to me and to help me recognize when I'm thinking in a way that is really, it can be dangerous to you because it just can get to where you can't pull yourself out. Our lifestyles are controlled by our thoughts. Yeah. And so, and it's a hiding place for the enemy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when you recognize that, mm-hmm. most everything else is going to come from that place. Okay. But some other things are like irritability. Yeah. Like just easily frustrated, low frustration, tolerance. That is often a symptom of sadness. Um, of sadness? Irritability. Yeah. Yeah. Irritability and anger are secondary emotions. Okay. So before people get angry or if they're quickly frustrated or irritated a lot, before they feel that, they feel something else first. It's just anger is the easiest thing for us to recognize, right? Wow. We know when somebody has upset us, but that is not the root. That's a secondary emotion. Usually the primary emotions are like sadness or disappointment or fear. And because you feel one of those primary emotions, it fuels the anger. But people don't often stop. And it's really hard to stop and thought when you're caught up in that emotion to ask yourself, what was I feeling before I got to this place? Right. What was I feeling before I got irritated? What was I feeling before I got anger, angry? And so when somebody comes to me and says, gosh, I just get so mad all the time, or I just feel this rage, or I just feel this deep frustration, the question that I ask next are, do you think that you feel sad, that you're disappointed, or that you feel fear? Hmm. Or is there shame involved? And they will usually always have to pause and go, you know, I've never thought of that. But they can usually identify it pretty quickly. Wow. Um, feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I can't keep up. Things is just too much. Anxiety or chronic worry. Hopelessness or defeat. And then just generally, I think, people are the best experts on themselves. If you're just not feeling like yourself, you just feel like something is off. Mm -hmm. You can give yourself permission to reach out for help. It doesn't have to be what, you know, the world might call drastic in order 
to justify a phone call in just to check in right. to say, hey, I just want to talk this over. Yeah. Do you find that people tend to put it off, put it off, and then wait until things just get like on fire, desperate for help when it comes to mental I health? Do. Okay. I do. I do. I know. I believe probably. So when I graduated, you know, from school in my 20s, um, it was like 2005 when I graduated and went to graduate school. There was still a whole lot of stigma mm-hmm. around mental health and therapy. And yeah. um, and I think we have done a bad job, actually, as a world, as a country. We've done a bad job in the words that we use sometimes. Oh, my gosh. I was just totally bipolar today when I did that. Oh my gosh, I'm totally spazzing out. I'm so, you know, we just say those words like, like it's part of our conversation, but to the person that is actually dealing with that, Mm -hmm. what that signifies to them is, Oh, they're not telling anybody because this is how they see me. Mm -hmm. And so I find that people have to be, um, almost to the point of no return sometimes before they can build up the bravery to make the phone call. And even sometimes in the phone call, um, I don't get the real reason they're calling. I'll get something like my husband and I are not doing well, or, you know, I just feel like maybe I've been worried a little bit. And then once we start talking and the safety is built, Mm -hmm. then we get to the real issue. And that just shouldn't be because, you know, if your foot hurts, and you got a big bunion coming out of the side of your foot and you can't put your shoe on, you don't call you do not call the orthopedist and make up a reason to go in. You you call it exactly what it is. I got this bunion coming out and I can't get my shoe on and my foot hurts. And so we should have that same permission to do yeah. that where emotional health is is concerned. I mean, we know that the Lord cares about it. He draws close to those who are brokenhearted That's and great. crushed in spirit. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Why you got to talk about my bunions, Deidre? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Okay, so a lot of the women who are listening, you know, some of them could be staff women here at New Life or... Um, we have a lot of people that listen just from all over. It's really awesome. But um, for... They could be leaders, like leaders within Elevation, which is our college ministry or whatever. But say you're in a position where you are caring for someone else, like just as a life group leader, and maybe you notice something in them or they open up to you. Like, where is the line of, hey, I'm going to encourage you with these verses and I'm going to pray for you. And then at what point should someone go, have you thought about seeing a therapist? You know, like, is it, is, does it simply just go back to what you said about, um, is it repetitive? Would we just ask that? Do you feel like this is repetitive in your mind? You know, am I asking the right question? Yeah, no, you are. And, you know, one of the, so I, I didn't say this, um, when I was, when I was introducing myself, um, but I was, we were members at, at New Life Church, um, for 12 years mm-hmm. and the last probably years that we were there, I really saw this beautiful transition where um, there was a relationship built between me and the staff Yeah, where they would ask for this kind of training and say, okay, so where is my point of this is as far as I feel like I can take this and I need to get, I need to refer out. 
And, um, and I think it's beautiful because the more people you have surrounding you, right, the more help that you're going to get and the, and the more support that you feel. But what I would tell them is when you feel like you are speaking outside of your, your competence, your area of competency, mm-hmm. then it's okay to refer out. Um, and so if somebody's mentioning suicide, if somebody mentions, you know, self mutilation, like they're cutting, mm-hmm. um, somebody that, you know, you notice changes in their eating, mm-hmm. um, somebody that is manic, they've been up for two or three days because they can't sleep mm-hmm. or somebody that sleeps all the time, somebody that is just generally not functioning well. Mm-hmm. And you feel like when you're talking to them and you're ministering to them, it's, it's really not sinking in mm-hmm. because they're not functioning it's time to refer out. Okay. That's helpful. Cause you know, we just live in a community of people that are loving each other and helping each other. And we're all in the spiritual journey together. But I know there's so many moments where we need to invite someone in and go, Hey, I am out. This is outside of my wheelhouse and I have taken you as far as I can. And I think you should talk to someone who's a professional. So that's, that's helpful. Yeah. And I think it's okay to say, um, I'm still here. Yeah. to support you. I'm, I'm, you know, just because I refer you out doesn't mean that this relationship and what we're doing goes away. I'm just inviting somebody else in to give you more support. Yeah. And so, because a lot of times what will happen, and I've seen this, is if somebody is really bonded with a staff member, they're really bonded with a pastor, they are afraid if they're referred out that that relationship is going to end. And so they will resist getting the help or they will minimize the symptoms because they don't want the relationship to to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. And so I think just really verbalizing that and making sure that they understand that you can have both. It's not an either or. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's very helpful. Um, Okay. So I want to ask you a question. It's sort of like, I don't know. It sort of goes in a little bit of a different direction, but um, one of the messages I feel like we get from, culture is very focused on self-love, self-care, self-help. Um, and some of that can be good and helpful, but so much of it, I feel like butts up against the message of Jesus where we're told to deny ourselves. The last shall be first, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, like, how do you rectify these two differing messages? Cause I feel like you know, part of us, like we've been talking about, we need to look at ourselves and say, do I need to get help? Do I need to get healthy? Um, but yet we don't want to come become self-obsessed. So do you have any wisdom or advice to share related to this? Yeah, that message, I think, especially for our younger generation, I think it's really confusing uh-huh. um, because the the heart behind it is good. The heart behind it is to say, you don't have to fall into comparison. You don't have to feel like you don't measure up. You don't have to feel like, you know, what the Lord has put inside of you is not enough. But it, it's almost like we stop there as a period when it needs to be a comma. Mm-hmm. So the, the message of you are enough is incomplete because it puts the focus on the person. And really we are not enough. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Uh, we are made in, in the image of God, and um, but we're not perfect without Him. It's Christ that is perfect, mm-hmm. and He is in us. Yes. And so, with apart from Him, we can't do anything. And so, I think the the ongoing, the continuation of that, you are enough message is, you are enough with him Mm -hmm. with his grace upon you Mm -hmm. as you surrender your life to him as you work through him as the gift he's placed inside of you come through you are enough with Mm -hmm. him not you're enough period that's an incomplete message and it creates confusion and it really does build a sense of pride and false pride Mm -hmm. because what happens then if we tell people oh you're enough and then they feel like they're underperforming what happens is, is people don't know their worth apart from their performance. Mm-hmm. And then they start to look at the gospel as it is not true because if I were enough, I would, you know, I would have this and I would be married and I'd have this job and I'd have these friends. But they're missing the foundational piece of it's Christ within us that makes us enough. Mm-hmm. It's the partnering with, it's not independent from. Mm-hmm. I think it's Galatians that says, um, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I just, yeah, it's such a hard thing to reconcile because I think, you know, you, some of the messages of let's get healthy and focus on ourselves. It's like some of it is good, but then some of it takes it so three steps too far where you're like, no, now we're way too focused on ourselves. you know? Yeah. It's imbalanced and yes. it becomes, it becomes very us focused. Yeah. And so then when it's us focused, we miss the whole point because you know what that means is if I do all the right things and if I really care for myself and if I work out just enough and if I'm emotionally healthy, then I should be perfect. And all of that is dependent on you. And the word says that apart from him, we can do nothing. Right. And so it's counterfeit. It's a counterfeit mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. to what the word of God says. That's so good. Um, okay. So it seems like women are always dealing with the battle of the mind. And so I just wanted to ask you as we close, what are some practical things that we can do to keep ourselves healthy mentally? Yeah, Um, and that is, honestly, I think it's one of our biggest responsibilities Mm -hmm. Um, because it was like I'm saying earlier, if we have between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day Mm -hmm. and 80% of those are negative and 90% of those are repetitive, I think that's why Paul talks about the renewing of our mind. Mm. Because he knows, he knew that repetition, um, it sounds, it becomes like our truth, right? If Mm -hmm. we're thinking it all the time and it constantly comes up in us, surely it's true. And you know, if you think a thing enough, you don't even recognize that you're thinking it Mm -hmm. because it's what you've always thought. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things is community matters a lot because especially during COVID, I think people kind of went inward Um, And they went way more social media. So then that opened up comparison. But then there was the loss of community. Mm -hmm. When you are surrounded by like-minded believers, I think that your thought life 
because you're talking more, there's somebody to kind of check that. Mm-hmm. There's somebody to say, um, did you hear what you just said? Or can we talk about that? Or mm-hmm. can, you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, when you're more inward focused, the only person checking what you're thinking is you. And right. if you don't really recognize what you're thinking, there's really no accountability there. Right. I think the other thing is that the renewing of the mind, mm-hmm. it has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And it comes from it comes from the Word of God. It comes through prayer. It comes from dialogue with Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not it's not optional. And I have heard people say, um, I have heard people say things like, you know, I just I can't find the time mm-hmm. to read every day. I just I don't I don't have time to sit down with my Bible to basically to get in the Word to renew their mind. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to that is, I think even if even if you're only able. We all know that we probably have more time than this, but even at the bare minimum, if we were able to take five minutes to meditate on one scripture, even if it was just the smallest scripture in the Bible, mm-hmm. one five minutes to meditate on that, that is still renewing your mind. And the Lord can do so much with your five minutes. It's really not. I don't think that it's optional. I think it is a necessity. Mm-hmm for how our day is going Mm -hmm. to go. And I think it is the one thing that we have that can really be a roadblock to some of the other things that we let in. It has to be a daily. So the community, the reading the Word of God, Mm -hmm. and really the being aware of what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about? We can't afford to be mindless and just kind of going through our day not really being aware of what's popping up in our mind because that is just the enemy's workshop. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's Corinthians that says that we demolish all arguments, that we take every thought captive and call it into the obedience of Christ. And what that is speaking to is being present in the moment. What are you thinking about? Yeah. What am I thinking about right now? Am I comparing Am I dwelling on something that happened last week and it's pulling up anger and sadness or resentment in me? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I thinking about right now? And to be on top of that and literally take that thought and hold it captive and replace it. And to ask yourself, is this true? What's the evidence that supports this? Right. Is this even true right now? Right. If it is, prove it. <laughs> What's the evidence yes. that supports it? Because a lot of times, some of the things that we're thinking, this is not always the case. You know, it's not always the case. Sometimes that person really did say something that hurt our feelings. That really is true. Mm -hmm. But what I'm thinking around what they said is probably not true. Right. And so it's an accountability within us to guard our hearts and to guard our minds and to be present and to not just let our thoughts get away. That's so good. Yes. Makes me think of that verse. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And Absolutely. That's so true. Such a good place to end. Um, thank you, Deetra. I feel like, I mean, I didn't know you super well when you were here at New Life, but you are such a wealth of wisdom, and I'm just very thankful that you were willing to jump on the phone call today and share with us some of your thoughts. And um, as we close, I would love it. Do you mind to just pray over the women that are listening, especially related to what we've been talking about? Not at all. Okay. 
I would love, I would love to pray. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the honor. I thank you for the honor to speak into these women's lives and just to share your truth and the knowledge and the wisdom and the personal experience that you have given me. Lord, I just pray a blessing over each woman that would hear this podcast. I just ask that your favor, that your grace, that your love and your mercy would be poured out over them. Lord, I just plead the blood of Jesus over them. Mm -hmm. I plead the blood of Jesus over their minds. And Lord, I just thank you that you've gone before them. I thank you that you draw close to each and every one of us that are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. I thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are good. They are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope in the future. So, God, I just thank you that you're the lifter of our heads. I thank you that we can come to you, that we can surrender our lives to you and to trust you with each and every moment. And, Lord, I just ask that you would continue to bless. I thank you that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I just thank you for the joy that you give us when we rest in you. And Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Deidre, thank you again. And ladies, thank you for listening to another episode of The Woman Podcast. And we will see you back soon. Bye. <laughs>